Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Start your 2024 off right with some new clothes from Leon Tailoring. Something new, something tailor made, something ready made, or something custom made. They got the finest in men's and ladies' apparels, and they also take care of you as well. They've been around for almost so near 100 years and some change, and don't stick around that long unless you're getting it right. So get on over to Leon Tailoring, tell them Abdul sent you, and they'll take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, in downtown Indianapolis. Today we, uh, heard from the governor of the state of Indiana about several things that I think is important for those of us in the Indiana General Assembly to understand. Because what it really does is it sets the kind of the outcomes that we should look for when we talk about public policy here at the state. What I found intriguing about this last speech that we'll, we'll hear from our two-term governor is he talked about some things that I think all of us in the state of Indiana should welcome. He talked about investment. He talked about all of the things that we've done to make Indiana a place to do business. And I, for most part, feel like we've done a lot of those good things. But there are some significant things that I found interesting about the state of the state today. And I want to just focus on a few of them here tonight. You know, it just, it was under the Pence administration that we started down the path of rewriting our criminal code. Those of you who were around when we started talking about whether or not we should have A, B, C, D, and F, or level one, two, three, four, five, six. And we said that as members of the General Assembly, that incarceration was not the path that we wanted to take to protect citizens, but more of a helping hand to try to provide services for people who need them. We knew we were in a mental health crisis and we wanted to help them. Yet today, we are gonna be, we're gonna, we're, we've seen a budget where we're gonna be break, building a new prison. Let me say that one more time. In his speech today, the governor said, we're gonna build a new prison in Westfield. Is that the kind of stuff that we want here in the state of Indiana? We should be talking about lowering the amount of people that go to prison. And that's what I thought we were doing when we revised the criminal code. But again, year after year, we would come back and make a change. And I said this, and I'll keep saying it, we could not incarcerate our way out of this mental health crisis. The governor touted our AAA rating. Great, we have a good credit rating. So do 11 other states located not only in the Midwest, but in the South, states like Virginia, New Jersey, Maryland. These are not bastions of conservative views. They found a way to make sure that their credit rating's good. But you know something that they did on top of that? They also said, we wanna make sure the citizens of our state have a good credit rating. We're gonna increase wages, and we're gonna say that the minimum wage no longer needs to be $7.25 an hour. We have yet to do that in the state of Indiana. Interesting statement about broadband expansion. Uh, he did thank the federal government. I'd like to thank Joe Biden and the Biden administration for setting forth all these policies and so that we could expand broadband to the rural areas. 
but some people just don't want to admit where the dollars come from, so I'll just say it here today. Last but not least, I represent the capital city in the state of Indiana. Not that we are different than any other Hoosier, but daggone it, the governor said today that we don't need to make a distinction between Indiana and the rest of the state. There's gonna be legislation this year that's going to undo ordinances that have been passed in Indianapolis. There's gonna be legislation that's gonna take a public policy decision about who should be certified as a minority women or veteran-owned business away from the city of Indianapolis and put it in the hands of the state. And we cannot allow the city of Indianapolis or any other local jurisdiction allow this to happen to any local jurisdiction across the state that tries to do what is best for its citizens. And yet, months later, and sometimes days later, this body comes in and steps over and says, you can't do this. So um, I'm just hopeful that this session will be something that's productive. I know we've got issues that we're gonna be talking about that, you know, those of us who are uh, in the Indiana General Assembly really don't have an understanding of, but we're probably gonna see those things. So I hope and say, and, you know, I hope and pray for the governor and his future endeavors, but it's time for uh, the citizens of, the Indianap of Indiana to understand that all of us, all of us had a part in a lot of the good things that happened in the state of Indiana, and we could continue down that path if we just had some cooperation from across the aisle. Senator. Thank you, Senator Taylor. I appreciated uh, sitting through and listening to the state of the state. And one thing that really stood out to me was the line that standing still is not what Hoosiers were made for. So I asked this in response. The Hoosiers that are moving around are pregnant mothers who are traveling county to county to county to find a maternity ward that is open. We have more and more of our maternity wars in our hospitals that are closing. What are we doing for those mothers? What is also standing still are Hoosiers' wages. Hoosiers' wages are stagnant and are not keeping up with the cost of living. What isn't standing still are young people who are leaving this great state to find other opportunities in other states for those better paying jobs. And what is moving are people who are having to travel to try to find health care across the board, not just delivering babies, but for a cardi cardiologist, a neurologist. This is what we aren't seeing movement in and where we are seeing movement for Hoosiers in Indiana. And those issues have not gone addressed. Whether we're talking about the abortion ban and how that has impacted access to healthcare for Hoosiers across the board, we know the majority of Hoosiers want that ban lifted. But we are not making any progress in responding to the needs and wants of Hoosiers. We also know what is standing still are women and girls who cannot afford period products, menstrual discharge collection devices. 
that one in four Hoosiers cannot leave their home to go to school, to go to work. We've heard a lot about addressing truancy in this body, this session. We can do that by repealing that tax. We don't tax RVs. We don't tax medical devices. We don't tax Twix bars or marshmallow fluff. Why are we taxing, why are we taxing medical devices that are required for women and girls to engage society and go to school and go to their jobs? This is the work that we are called to do, and I am looking forward to having those discussions in 2024 in order to respond to the real needs of Hoosiers. Thank you. We'll open up to questions. Is there anything the governor's speech that you liked? Uh, yeah. I mean, the governor talked about our economic development projects that are going on across the state. I just wish that the people that uh, were going to be eligible for those jobs actually lived in Indiana. I mean, we could look at the... Uh, I think I read recently, or American Van Lines was talking about the number of people that are moving uh, in the suburban areas. These are not people moving from, you know, Grant County to, to Hamilton County. They're moving from, you know, Ohio to Hamilton County. They're moving from Michigan to Hamilton. Okay, we get them here. They pay taxes. They support our schools. They do everything. But what about Hoosiers who live here? Um, there was another part about the Lilly Endowment, paying for cultural uh, uh, trails and other things. That's a good thing. I think there was a lot of good stuff in there. You know, the fact that he uh, spoke about child care. I mean, listen, uh, I've had a child care tax credit bill for the last five years that doubles the amount of tax credits that you receive from the state of Indiana that has a surplus so that you could help offset the cost of childcare. Hmm. Hasn't seen the light of day. What's the problem? So we could do a lot of stuff. I think the governor, I, respectfully, I think he tried. He just found a roadblock in his way. The governor talked about, he reflected a lot on his seven years in office, and talked about the Indiana model, which is about taking giant leaps and not baby steps. Do you think over the last seven years, Indiana has taken giant leaps forward? Well, yeah, I think they've taken giant leaps. <laughs> uh, we haven't taken any giant leaps forward. We've taken a few leaps back. I mean, the near total ban on abortion, if you think that's a step forward, I, I challenge you to do that. We, we uh, keep passing legislation that, you know, overruns local government authority. If you think that's a leap forward, that's a... The Indiana Economic Development, uh, the IDC is doing good things at creating jobs. I just wish we knew what their plan was. Uh, we probably, every taxpayer would love to know why we got into the land business now and we're buying hundreds of acres of land of using taxpayer dollars when our schools are bleeding because they can't find teachers or social workers or by God, they can't find facilities where the roof is not leaking. So I, you know, We've taken some big leaps. Uh, and here's the last one. Uh, <clears throat> I keep saying this, but, you know, maybe Governor Holcomb could, uh, could take a little advice from his bordering states about cannabis. Uh, they've seen 
an influx of people from Indiana going over spending their hard-earned money to get cannabis for their medical problems, which everybody knows the state of Indiana could use, and we could grow it right here in the state of Indiana. On the Lilly Endowment, uh, the money also would go toward uh, blight redevelopment. Uh, at first blush, what's your initial uh, impression of that? Is there, are there some potential, is there some potential for some missteps there? I don't really know about, I don't know a lot about uh, the $250 million. I mean, Ready 2.0, just, I mean, they held that till today. We don't know a lot. I don't know very much about it, but I, I hope that they don't give it directly to the IDC because then I'm sure we won't know very much about it. Uh, the thing that I want to make sure is that any dollars that are sent to communities has accountabilities, accountability measures in it and that we're not just not giving it to the private sector to create jobs that Hoosier taxpayers won't see any benefit from. So my only concern is where does the money go? Once you get past that, then it's gonna be up to the administrators of the funds to be able to provide us documentation as to where the dollars are. So I, I don't think it's, that, it's subject to missteps. I mean, you know, we can't even hire actuaries, actuarials to do budget projections anymore. I mean, they, they're coming up, there's mistakes there. So we need to be cognizant that there could be a mistake, but I have confidence in Jeanette Hill and the Lilly Endowment for all the work that they've done across the state, that, that it'll be used appropriately. There was one sentence about childcare. I don't, you know, I got, it's interesting you asked me that question. I have a 21 year old and I have a 17 year old, going to turn 18. My 21 year old, uh, I think he might be able to, to handle two or three children at a time. My 18 year old, there ain't no way. Um, I don't think it just comes down to changing the age. Um, I think we've got to do things like provide better access from a financial standpoint. When you increase the actual supply of childcare facilities, in other words, you provide different subsidies or things to, to open up child cares, then you naturally lower, hopefully lower the, the uh, cost of it. And I didn't see anything in there. Um, I haven't seen the healthcare bill that Representative Char Senator Charbonneau has, but uh, let me let uh, Senator Yoder speak on that. I have not seen that bill either, but I would say that uh, the governor did get one thing right. He did say that yeah. the issue with childcare is a, a lack in child, a child care workforce, and that is absolutely correct. Serving on the land use task force, serving on the child care interim study committee, no matter where you go, this issue has come up. And again and again and again, we are told this is an issue of what we pay the child care workforce. This is not an issue of not enough facilities. Lowering the age doesn't address the wages. That's where we should be tackling this problem. Do we value this work? 
That's a question we should be asking. And if we value this work, we need to pay the workers accordingly. We could, in this state, make certain that a child care worker qualifies for a child care voucher. So if they have a child in child care, if they are in the child care workforce, they will always qualify for a child care voucher. They don't have to worry about getting a promotion, managing the child care facility, and then losing this benefit. We could address this problem by addressing how we compensate our child care workers. Another thing that I appreciated the governor talking about was how we have reduced overdoses in this state and how we have addressed substance use disorder. When I was on the county council in Monroe County from 2013, it really hit um, an all-time high pitch in about 2017, 2016 in overdoses. We pulled together stakeholders and we started having these conversations about harm reduction approaches, trauma-informed care. And it's taken that long, those are baby steps, but it's taken that long to be bold about how we are going to address overdoses in this state. And it is a good thing that finally those rates are showing some decline. But we have a lot further to go. And we need to continue to invest in these evidence-based practices in the state of Indiana. That's where I would like to see these giant steps be made. I want to return to a point that you kind of got to earlier. The governor uh, really focused on growth in this speech. Is the growth that he's touting the growth that Indiana actually needs? You know, that's an interesting question. I, I asked myself that question because I was... One of the things that uh, the governor talked about was creating a, a, a consortium up in the Kokomo area. Um, and I don't, I don't know a lot about cars, uh, so forgive me if I'm wrong about this, but if, if I create a battery across the street that's gonna go in a car, and across the street is a transmission plant, does a battery-operated car need a transmission similar to that that's being built across the street? I don't know, but it seems kind of defeatist to me to have one of the largest transmission facilities <coughs> over on one side of the street, and then you got a battery. It's right, literally right across the street, Abdul. Right, if you go up to Kokomo, you you'll see it. I, I wonder how many people are going to leave there and go over to the battery. I, just concerns me. Um, but let's remember, this is about the future, so. I believe that those high-tech jobs, I mean, doing the transmission work uh, at Chrysler is not the same as building a battery at a plant across the street. So I don't know, like I said, my concern is that a lot of these high-paying jobs are not going to be for Hoosiers. Uh, they're going to be for people who come from outside the state of Indiana. And maybe that's the objective. On the issue of wages, uh so you're going to help me out here. What, what you'll find is, uh, done the research, that a lot of Hoosiers who sort of make those minimum wage jobs don't have the education or the skill set to do the higher tech, higher wage thing. So is, it, is the issue the wages or is it the education that the Hoosiers have that would, that would, that would allow them to get the higher wage jobs? It could be. It's a combination of both. But what, as a member of this legislature, who serves our great Educational Institution of Indiana University. It concerns me deeply, the 
the conversations, the narrative, the kinds of comments that we are trying to reduce uh, the, the value that we place on the college education. We are trying to reduce the, the desire that we want young people to continue their education. One of the lines that the governor said was to improve prospects for every Hoosiers, for every Hoosier who calls Indiana home. And the bottom line is this, again and again and again, employers want individuals who have a college education. We know this. We know that states that have a high college education rate attract those businesses. That's where businesses go, and that's what we want for Indiana. So I think that we should be talking more about how can we make it easier for Hoosiers to go to college and to get their, their degree from one of our great institutions in this state, not trying to belittle or diminish that valuable education. Cannabis? Cannabis? I mean, listen, we could sit here on an island by ourselves. I continue to ask my colleagues, what is the issue? When, if you think about it, how many of us believe that cannabis is being inhaled or taken here in Indiana? Okay, good. I, let's say it's not. So raise your hand if you think it's not. Okay, so we know it's here. Um, if you know it's here and it's unregulated, isn't that dangerous? We should be regulating it through medical cannabis or recreational, whatever it is. We should be regulating it. Yet I continue to run into this ideology that 37 other states are wrong. They're wrong. Okay. Help me understand why they're wrong. Well, they're just wrong. So I thought that was missing. I, I still, uh, you know, the interesting part about the investment that he's talking about that came from the IEDC, you know, there was a, there was a committee, uh, the budget committee, where the IEDC came in, talked about the LEAP project up in Lebanon. And there was a lot of questions from my colleagues about, you know, where the money's going, who the pro, who the, who's the potential winner of the money, of the, who's your taxpayer dollars. He never addressed the fact that all those jobs came from who's your taxpayer dollars, but we have no idea, in some cases, who they're going to and for what. And I thought that was a glaring miss. And it's probably a question that, you know, he'll leave for the state budget director and the IDC director after somebody else becomes governor. I don't know. But they haven't had to answer the question. I'd like to. Yeah. A glaring oversight was access to health care in Indiana. We heard this again and again and again, and you continue to hear it from I continue to hear from constituents. I also hear from residents from throughout Indiana. As I mentioned earlier, the number of maternity wards that have closed in the state in our rural communities, rural hospitals that are closing. This is an issue. We applauded the completion or the soon to be completed I-69, which is important infrastructure. Healthcare, 
just as important for the safety, security, and well-being and prosperity of Hoosiers. And that issue was not mentioned at all. And I thought that was a glaring mistake, oversight. Senator Taylor, I know you alluded to it earlier uh, regarding the Biden administration and how it might be, in your mind, taking some credit for things that are coming from the federal level. What percentage or share of credit do you think he's taking things like employment or hydrogen house for semiconductor house for some of these economic and um, other developments that he thought Well, I mean, listen, I'm not going to, I think Governor Holcomb tries to do his best. I mean, let's remember, this is a this is a person that, you know, quite frankly, he he's not, the, the people that we all assume should support him or he's having trouble getting them to support some of his efforts. So how much credit should, has he taken? As much as he can. Um, you know, when you just take, you know, let's start back with HIP 2.0. That's, that's Obamacare. I mean, you can call it whatever you want. It's it's Obamacare. Uh, the uh, LEAP project, that's Biden administration through the COVID dollars. So we had to, you know, he's going to take credit for most of it, which he should, but not without leaving. And he did, like I said, I gave him credit. He said federally supported. So he did a good job on that part. Y'all get scared to ask questions now that they want to. <laughs> I just came in. I was wondering if I was going to go home or you keep going. You, can, you don't have to stay, Mr. Speaker. Did I, did I tell you that, you know, Mr. Speaker, I, I did compliment oh, him for running? Oh, okay. Oh, not, not to worry about. Is there any more questions for you? All right. Thank y'all. Y'all have a good evening. Are Hoosiers winning? I don't know. That's why I was a little curious. I kept thinking, I can't believe Greg keeping. Well, I had it pinned. I had it pinned, and it didn't. Thank uh, you. Did come up. Thank you. I'm, well, I'm trying to watch it, bro. <laughs> You're trying to watch it. No, please We're down thirty-three twenty-seven. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.